And welcome back to Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman. Um, I promise you that there's a blah, 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 acapella theme coming shortly. Uh, but before we get going, I just wanted to do a little self-serving plug here. Um, if you are a fan of Lois and Clark, you may be a fan of the DC Universe at large. And if you are, you probably know about the Crisis on Infinite Earths. At least Craig Byrne and I are going to talk about it in a little bit, so you will by the end of this episode. Um, the crossover last year that the C w shows did uh kind of blew my mind if you listen to always hold on to smallville you already know that but as a result of that show we got a cameo uh return to the birds of prey universe uh that uh was brilliant and wonderful and and gave me goosebumps uh when i first watched it uh and then uh kind of stung after a minute because uh it only lasted 40 seconds and and my favorite characters from childhood uh, d- disappeared on screen <laughs> like you know Thanos snap evaporated and um I uh I I wanted more I wanted more about their story and and what had happened before that so my fan yourself uh obsessed over that 40 seconds of footage for the past couple of months and uh wrote and colored and produced um a fan comic that is available for free online right now called Birds of Prey Crisis on Earth 203 if you know at all what that means uh and what the crisis was then uh I can promise you uh it uh keeps in continuity um and uh it is something really fun and a story i really enjoyed putting together and it's truly just for fans like us um so you can read that full comic uh with its lois and clark cameo uh at the end uh at least one of the characters i just said uh, shows up in the final page uh so you can read that story uh on dailyknockoff.com that is dailyknockoff.com and you'll be looking at uh 27 pages of uh dc and nerdy fan comic goodness um, so if you want to see some Dark Knights and some Super Kryptonians uh, and some Birds of Prey, uh, head over to uh, dailyknockoff.com and check out Birds of Prey Crisis on Earth 203. Uh, the fun part is this wasn't published or done uh, when Craig and I spoke here. So uh, you'll hear me like referencing it. And obviously it's what I showed him after the show. Um, but enjoy uh, another one of these kind of like overview podcasts like I did uh, with Christine Bartolucci. Um, where we're going to look at the, uh, the new Krypton arc. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy, uh, stay tuned for more eventually. Sorry, these just take a while and I was working on a comic, um, and I want to be able to kind of do like big overview ones like this right now. Um, but there will be more at some point, I promise you. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Okay, I hear you. Do you hear me? Nope. Can you hear me? I. Wait. Lois and Clark is our jam. We're talking about Terry D and Superman. We'll cover it all. At least we'll do what we can. And now it's time for the show. In the Krypton Club days, I bet you, like, all of us watched every single episode we had on videotape dozens of times. Sure, like, I get that. I could watch the opening credits and tell you, that shot is from the Ides of Metropolis. Right. Let's see, see, I can do this with Birds of Prey, but that is A, sadder, and B, less impressive, because there's only 12 episodes to, like, know, like, the back of your hand with that show. So have you done like a fan edit putting clips from Crisis into the Birds of Prey opening and restoring no. the real restore the real theme song? No, I'll show you what I'm doing with okay. Birds of Prey Crisis after this. But okay. before then, welcome back to Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman. I'm Matt Truex and I am joined by Krypton Sites one and only Craig Byrne. How are you, dude? I'm stuck indoors. This is like this is more podcast than I've done in the past couple of years, honestly, just with this quarantine going well, on. Well, it's also, it's kind of weird because when I've done the podcast with you in the past, we've always done it at your place. I know that I miss. But, and you're only like two miles away, but since we're quarantining, you know, I'm you here, could. you're there. Yes. Yeah. You know? um, no, I was thinking about that today. Cause I finished, um, 
I finished the final episode right before this. And I'm like, see, if this was a normal time, I would have invited you over to watch the final episode. Right. And we would have gotten takeout and then we would have done this. But well, but like everything you watch right now feels like so old timey because it's like, oh, look at all those Smallville people in, in a cage together. Isn't that nice? You know, That's why I like, you know, like doing a podcast like this, watching these episodes of Lois and Clark, even the ones that aren't very good. Um, <laughs> it's kind of takes me back to a different time. Like, uh, we'll talk about this, but I remember what I was doing the night I watched Big Girls Don't Fly. I love that. So, you know, like, I remember that summer. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, but yeah, I remember that summer, the anticipation for the new season, Mm -hmm. uh, what we thought was going to happen for the season premiere that didn't happen for the season premiere. This is what I want to get into. Okay, so there we go, but... I'm also going to tell you, I'm going to admit this to your audience. I did not rewatch Through Glass Darkly. That's fine. Because I, I forgot this was a four episode arc. And I was like, <laughs> I, I've survived the clone saga, the clone amnesia of five episodes. I don't just need another that. four part story. See, I just count that as a three episode. Like I cut the amnesia stuff. But um, honestly, well, like, okay. So what we're doing here is the new Krypton arc yes. today. Um, I rewatched Through the Glass Darkly, Big Girls Don't Fly, Lord of the Flies, and Battle Battle what we say Battlefield Battleground Earth uh, recently. Uh, and you rewatched a smattering of those, yes? Um, I watched three of the four. Okay, okay. fair and oh, you were busy. That's a lot in a day. Um, yeah. I have I have crazy memories of these because I was a kid and like my parents had just gone away on vacation and it was the summer and I was watching them on TNT and it was just like the coolest thing to have for like that week while my parents were gone. But I have the memory of it like that, of it being in reruns, like in the morning on TNT episode after episode after episode and like knowing it was going to keep going and still didn't recognize that Ching changed between seasons. Oh. Um, what was the fan feeling of this back in the day because i i have like a totally different perspective on it it was kind of split you had you had your group of fans who loved the show no matter what they do okay and then there was like the younger gang yes i was once young (laughs) um and we kind of like we saw there are a few holes in it i don't remember it's interesting don't remember disliking the season three finale so much at the time okay but i do remember being a little let down by the season premiere Okay. Whereas I enjoyed the season premiere a lot more than the season three finale this time around. This time. Yeah, which is, you know, but I mean, it... So I remember that. I remember over the summer, I mean, there was a tabloid that tried to say that they were considering getting rid of Dean Cain or something, like he was going to hit his face on an asteroid or... What? Yeah, it was like crazy stuff. So that like added to the whole mystery of what was going on. I remember that. I it was insane. It had no foundation in reality because Dean still had a great relationship with ABC. I yeah. think he did that. I think he did the off camera with Dean Kane, like he, his like basketball special in the middle okay. of like that summer. And I do think Dean and or Terry had been on the cover of TV Guide that summer. So I mean, the show was still considered hot, right? Um. Right before season four started, they signed a deal with ABC to do season four and five. Oops. Uh, um, so he was still considered hot for another like six months. And then. And it's funny because so when I watched the season three finale, I had uh, my parents had gotten a place at the ocean, and my cousins and two of my aunts and uncles, two pairs of aunts and uncles, we're visiting and I made them all watch Lois and Clark with me. <laughs> and I remember like the place was on this like little canal. And I remember after the show, we just like, we're walking outside, just enjoying the nice weather. And I just kept thinking about, Oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen what's next. Happen? Yeah. Lois and Clark need to get back together. That black costume's really cool. <laughs> you know? Uh, <clears throat> so yes, the black costume got a lot of discussion that summer. Oh, I'm sure. Especially from the ladies. It's introduced uh-huh. as a discussion point, basically. Like, yeah. you know, it's got that big loving shot panning up him and all that. Yeah. Um, but also, you got to remember, we just we just went through being teased with the wedding and then the right. clone amnesia arc. 
we're ready for Lois and Clark to get married. And that's one thing I will say for this arc that I really liked. Like Lois and Clark looked like they wanted to jump each other. Yes. At like the every chemistry moment. is at full blast here. Because they're like, you know what? Um, we should have been married by now. Right. And, and that's Mallory basically how it Pat- ends, too. Yeah. Mallory right. from Family Ties is not going to get in our way. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but so there was that. But also, when I saw the season four premiere, we actually had a gathering of folks in, nice. I think it was Pennsylvania. Okay. And my friend Genevieve and her kids, I think one of them just turned to be about like 25. Uh, but her kids were very little at the time. Um, I think at least two of her kids came with us. It was like a, you know, a van full. Yeah. And I'd say there were probably like 30 fans there. We had Nuts. like, we had games. I actually won a sign that said, don't bother me. I'm watching Lois and Clark. A wooden sure. sign. Um it was a great time and uh yeah that like so we all watched it together i do remember though somebody saying well what will we do for next season's premiere and i was like there's not going to be another season (laughs) because this is the 90s like if lois and clark had been on today it would go like nine seasons i was gonna say it gets six or seven easy yeah but back then shows didn't last as long right so you getting a abc or something like that and so even getting four seasons was like a big deal. Um, but also, I remember that summer, there was a lot of talk that they were going to start with a two-hour season premiere, which would have made this go over better. It wasn't until I checked today. Like, I always assumed this was uh, broadcast as two-hour, but no. No, and I think the reason it was not is because Terry was filming that uh, David Schwimmer movie. Oh, Okay. And because Bond was right after Lois and Clark, right? No, was Bond between? was during. It was during. Okay, that's why there's between two and three. I think. Okay, is that why there's you skipped it? I think, but um, Doctor Klein makes a Bond reference in. Oh, in I didn't catch three. that. I guess it was through the glass darkly. Yeah, yeah. I think that movie came out in '95, so that would have been okay. right that before season three. Um, but yeah, we, um, so yeah, I think it was supposed to be a two hour premiere, which would have meant at least this was in three parts, technically mm-hmm. not four, right? which would have been nice. Um, fine. I think it's interesting how they separated the characters between seasons three and four. Like what's his name? It wasn't Kez. Was it Kez? Kez? Oh, Roger uh, Daltrey. Tez. Tez. Yes. Yeah. Tez didn't appear again after the season three finale. No, he got one shot at this. Apparently. Yeah. And then Lord Nor came down and, but the biggest thing I like, I don't remember this from watching live, but watching now, especially in big girls don't fly. I felt all the actors felt this was way too sci-fi and way too ridiculous. Okay. And I didn't think their hearts were in it. Like Terry and Dean even just seemed to be like, I can't believe I'm talking about his alien wife that he was promised to be bonded to. It just interesting. Yeah. I see. I, I don't know. I was um, I wasn't watching for that specifically throughout that episode. Uh, I like acting wise. I remember Kay Callan. I liked Kay Callan as Tez, um, <laughs> but it was ridiculous. It was total. Oh, it's it was yeah. totally ridiculous. Um, that and I really like that farewell from all of them like i like yes. all four of the four of them being the kents you know um but when he's got a line to them that's like you know any goodness i bring to this new world is from you and like it's good and Kay gives it and it's breaking down you know like that i liked um now i want to go back though and watch how committed <laughs> they are throughout the rest of it. Uh, but you know what that scene with uh jonathan and martha um where they're like you know we march for civil rights and all that yes lovely um that was the most authentic acting I felt in the episode mm-hmm. because it was kind of grounded in reality. Like, yeah, you can identify with that. You can identify with people from an alien culture coming <laughs> down and trying to take you away. No. Um, I did get a kind of a chuckle by the notion, and maybe I was wrong, but when I was watching Big Girls Don't Fly, Perry and Jimmy don't show up until like the last two minutes of the episode. I know. I know. And then it's like, yeah, Clark wishes he could have been here. Their like, stuff to do throughout all four of these episodes is baffling to me. Like, 
A, first they just have like a generic fish, fishing trip in Through the Glass Darkly, which I'm like, oh, like no. this is the easiest thing you can do with Terry, or Perry and Jimmy. And then like just the idea that the Daily Planet is the setup for the military in Metropolis. Because they can't afford any more sex. I know. It's they spent all like, their money on the model of the ship. I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll get into goods and bads with production here. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's just so funny to me that Perry and Jimmy are just hanging out with like a general and a bunch of Kryptonian councilmen. In the well, boat. also like, why did uh, the Krypton- new Kryptonians pick Smallville of all places? Is it because it's the Warner Brothers back lot? Oh, I assumed it was because they knew. Cause about, like, they knew Nora, about Jonathan and Martha. Yeah. Nora knew okay. where he came from. Okay. Yeah. Because that was, I was kind of wondering that when I was watching, like, oh, that's a little convenient. Huh. I never, this is, <laughs> but I mean, I didn't think too hard about that. But yeah, I just, I just figured because like he had already sent um, Tez there. Right. Knowing that like, this is where Kalel was born or whatever. Right. Um, or landed and raised. Okay. See, I didn't see, maybe because I didn't watch <laughs> Thurgrass. I didn't do all my uh, You're okay. homework. But I, I remember at the time being so annoyed by the whole thing about uh, there was a force field around Smallville and Clark and Lois just fly in. Just walk right in. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, we're here. So but now Jimmy also, gets in too eventually. Like we know from the very next episode, swear to God, this time we're not kidding, mm-hmm. that Lois and Clark are a nationally known couple. Yet oh God, nobody knows. Right. Nobody notices Lois is kissing on a guy who is superman right and smallville is a small town they would know that is clark kent's fiance especially when she hangs out with the kents fair points <laughs> i'm okay. just like are you saying that lois and clark doesn't make any sense i, I thought this storyline especially didn't make sense yes this is and i also think with there being new kryptonians and i feel this way in any version of superman lore it makes clark less special i agree um though if you're gonna do it i liked that he has some sort of importance here though like let's talk story art in a second and then i'd very much like to get into (laughs) the new kryptonian okay whole yeah um monarchy of it um for what the show is especially after like kind of stumbling through clones and amnesia and whatnot like before this I thought this was kind of like the biggest obstacle they ever put in front of them. Like the worst thing that you can do in this specific version of Lois and Clark is say that one of them's already married. You know, like when that is truly like the driving force of the whole show is this relationship is to have that going. And I liked how that, I liked them trying for that here. Um, What was your thought on that? I just the whole new, new Kryptonian thing was kind of silly. Mm-hmm. But also, I remember also from the fandom at the time, anybody who got in the way would be hated by the fans. Like sure. Zara, it was For just Zara. an annoyance the same way that uh, Dan Scardino was. Scardino! <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So like that, I, I guess, again, maybe because I'm older now, I feel just like that whole plot line was just, again, kind of silly. Okay. But I, I'm going to jump ahead also. I'm going to complain about something that... By all means. Yeah. Oh, we're, I, this is another one yeah. where we're jumping all over. So, yeah, you're good. So, how many times did Lois get her hair done in this storyline? I know. Because her hair's <laughs> one way. Then when he's, like, psychically calling out to her, it's another mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And then when season four starts, she's wearing that wig. Is it a wig? Yeah, because Terry chopped off her hair for that movie and so she wore a wig for the first five or six episodes until the jail story wow i did not know that yeah yeah amazing okay so that explains her totally different but in that goodbye scene too her hair is so big yes it's like her tempest anyone hair really (laughs) that's what what they were doing with it forgot about that hair Um, (laughs) yeah no i mean that's but you know um, they didn't when they did TV, even in the 90s, they didn't think we would be watching this stuff on DVD back to back. No. And Notice like, it's that. always kind of baffling to me who they think this show is for and, and who they think is watching. Because the way they do even the storyline, like it goes to such, 
they are earned their soap opera stripes even after amnesia and clones and stuff like <laughs> it it's so it's so fairy tale and like romance novely um though it's though it's still like arguably comic booky but even the way they play krypton and that's kind of what I'm wanting to get to here like the idea of making krypton a monarchy and like he's going to be the ruler of it feels so fantasy romance novely to but me but then again i mean I know the elves were kind of ostracized in the Krypton TV series. Right. But it they had their own monarchies for the different houses, like the House it's, of El. Yeah, sort of sure. I guess so I I'm kind of used to that. I guess I never thought of it as a true monarchy. Like, I always just kind of thought of it as, like, I guess the noble houses, right? Like, even Brando's kind of, like, got that mm-hmm. going on in those. Um, but never a straight-up... Because, like, in the comics at this point, wasn't it still kind of like the John Byrne stuff where, like, yeah, but Tom was they, cold and removed? And But Lois and Clark very much borrowed from the Don. I mean, like, the costume mm. of Jor-El is right. directly from the Donner movie. Straight is that, it. like, the third Jor-El we've had? I think it's... Oh, wait. I can, David it, Warner was the David first Warner. one. David Warner. Yeah. And was I think there, there was another second? one somewhere in between. Somewhere. Interesting. They all use the same set of pajamas, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, I think I saw Tempest's vest on one of the Kryptonians. Let's talk about the Kryptonians there. I'd love to find that. You mean like the... Um, the silver vest. Silvery vest. Okay, you said yeah. that earlier. And I thought you just meant like it kind of homaged it, but that's interesting. No, I think they were reusing props. <laughs> I mean... That's awesome. You know all about props, so you know what I'm talking about. Oh, we'll get to a section on props. Don't worry about okay, that. Cool. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, interesting. So like th- this didn't... I don't know, as a fan back then, did the, the high fantasy version of Krypton bother you at all? I guess not. I don't remember. The only thing I... I mean, my I had my nitpicks about the season four premiere. Sure. But, I mean, also, we were probably all numb after that clone amnesia thing. <laughs> we would accept anything at that point. Oh, Plus, we were, we were getting our hot Lois and Clark moments. You know, the warm and sure. fuzzy feelings, as we called it back in the day. The Watts. Right, okay. You know, that with was concubine those, Lois and such. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, who was like dressed out of some like Greek goddess movie? Mm. Like what the the armbands and yeah, very strange. <clears throat> it's funny. Some of it they go for alien stuff, and we'll get into Lord Nor's costume in a second. But then some of it, you're right, is just like kind of just out of Greek or like what would they wear on Olympus and like that type of thing in a <laughs> spaceship, you know. Um. Huh. With that, too, like, I was talking about it, but, like, the production in these episodes, all of it feels to me like the show trying its hardest. And some of it I do like. Like, some of the model stuff and, like, some of the alien stuff, like, when he goes into the big orb that's their ship or whatever in uh, season three, I'm kind of into that stuff. Um, And even just seeing, like, the new Krypton palace approaching the bad cg of metropolis is kind of fun you know i'm I'm kind of wondering what the interior of the palace was if it was sets or if it was an office building redressed you think it was an office building well i don't know i just that's a very does, big set it does look expensive you're right but they've got those like big curvy doors with the s shield on it and all that they could read i mean maybe, we've maybe. seen it happen yep no fair <clears> enough <throat> I don't know what it was, but I should ask Jim Michaels about that. He would know. He was, I think he was a line producer on the show back then. Now he's like the main producer for Supernatural up in Vancouver. Oh, cool. So like whenever I have like a picture from those days, I'm like, who's that? He can tell me. Interesting. See, I I tried looking for the production designer the other day, but I could not find him anywhere. uh, Um, I already forgot his name. Um, Jim Dole, I think. Um, Oh, wasn't there a Jim Pohl? Jim Pohl, oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I remember I that. Name. Many questions. I did notice, though, like in that chamber, like when um, Lord Nor is trying uh, Kal-El for treason and all that, mm-hmm. they've got a big globe in there of Krypton, and it matches the globe from the ship from like season one. I noticed there was a globe, um, I think it was the end of the season three finale where he walks in and Zara and Ching are there and they clearly flipped the image because the letters on the globe were backwards. Interesting. (laughs) 
Oh, don't remember that. I just remember the, there's a lot yeah. of globes in this. There's also a globe, a really bad globe of Earth that has. That might be it. This is where they've touched down and that type of thing. Oh, that's yeah. flipped. That's funny. Yeah, because like all the letters are backwards. I'm like, I think maybe they flipped the image. So it looked like, you know, they were looking at him approaching in the black costume. Right. From a different direction. Oh, that's fun. I'm going to go back and look at that. Yeah. Um, um, I do remember, like, even when I was a kid watching the episodes with, you know, my parents, there would be episodes where, like, you'd have, like, the back shot and, like, mm-hmm. Terry's hair was behind her ear. And the next shot, it was covering her ear. Yep. You know, be like... That always bothers me watching lighting on shows like this, too, where it's like, you know, if if you're, you know, over lower to your shoulder looking at Clark, she's a little in the dark, and then you turn around, and, like, she's perfectly lit, you know, from that side that you saw it, like... That bothers me. Did they repaint the Daily Planet around this time? I don't know because I feel like it's it's coherent, not coherent. It's um, cons- what am I consistent to with season. Thank two you, on. consistent. The, the quarantine. I'm losing words. Yeah. Consistent um, at least between season three and four. Okay. Um, though I don't know. I did notice though in the season four premiere when like we first catch up with Lois at the Daily Planet. She's looking uh-huh. up at the window that he flew out of. Uh-huh. Top of the scrim. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> you can see the top of the backdrop and, like, the ropes hang, hang it up. Still, oh, that's the Which other isn't thing, even, like, a, you know, maybe it's an HD problem, but it's, like, just raise it a little bit. God. Well, I also feel like the shot of the moon was, like, the same shot just flipped around. Yes. Uh, and I'm like, do you just have that one shot? And I, I almost expected <laughs> to see, like, a flashback to their... Fly me to the moon thing, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. a montage of her remembering as they flow their by. good times. <laughs> they didn't like flashing back to old hair with her though very much. No, um, I, I remember this is like jumping around, but when the episode Superman aired, mm-hmm. the Superman Nazi one, two ends, yeah, the Nazi one. Um, there was a flashback to season one, and that was so rare. Oh, that's because right. they had a flashback to him saving somebody. Yes, and they actually it used was, footage from that. <clears throat> It was almost like season one was an old shame because it was a different production team or something. Right. Well, it looks so different, even from season two, season one. Like, it's just such a, it's a grainier, it's a a different feel where, like, by now, now, you know, by season three, season four, it's so cartoony. It's so heightened. All the colors are popping. Like, it's almost, it's pushing daisies like almost. I almost forgot. Yeah, there are little things that I had forgotten just the timeline in my mm-hmm. head. Like Lois still was living in her little apartment at that time and Clark still right. lived in his loft. Right. So it was kind of neat to see those sets again. Until I, the body swap episode? Is that when they find the townhouse? Yeah, or no, not body swap. Br- brutal the aging youth. thing. Yeah, brutal youth, excuse me. Yes. When Jimmy is um is aged into Jack Larson. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. Which is great. But they yeah. didn't. They did not know they had Jack Larson when they wrote it. Really? Oh, I always or, figured that was the thing. Or we would have had at least one Jeepers, Mister Kent. Yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's that's like a good get when, though. Still, like when they were writing, uh, "Twas the Night Before Miximus." The original thought <laughs> was Paul Rubens. Oh, that would have been perfect. Yeah, even in that like Austin Powers costume. There's a lot of funny stuff in this too that that lands for me, and it's it's one of those like it's so weird trying to compare these to like the current CW shows where they where they either they're like doing a goofy episode or they're trying to be like super duper dry and really heavy and stuff, you know. Um, but like I like like I said, Martha as Tez. I like Lord Nor doing an interview in Smallville for the with TV. Lisa Gibbons. Yes. With Lisa Gibbons and having the like shades on the whole time and being like kind of too cool for it in his little director's chair. Like there's stuff like that, that hits for me. I like, I, we talked about this a little bit before we were recording, but uh, Lord Nor was like a certain level of camp. Yes. That I almost wish he had teamed up with Tempest and Lex Same. during the story. God damn Because, yes. Both of them would have taken advantage of the fact that Superman is going away or is gone. Right. You know, they would have wanted to create their own little Legion of Doom. It's not unlike Lex in the comics or animated stuff or whatever, always teaming up with Brainiac or, you know. Yeah. Trying to team up with Darkseid to various levels of effect, you know. ah, That would have been great. But I do feel like with Noor, they were trying to go for that kind of Tempest vibe. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But it also is a little weird because it's like, yeah, I remember there's the scene where they like throw the thing, the taxi cab in the air and they're like, make a joke about catching a cab. And it's like, how would Kryptonians know that's like? Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, like they threw a cab in the air and it landed on the ground. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and the Kryptonians are just being destructive. Well, even in the same way, um, uh, Lord Nora has the line of like, somebody in Smallville is like, uh, you can't do this. This is Kansas. And like, well, I'm pretty sure we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, like, oh, yeah. it's like it was somewhat organic, but it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you you had to, didn't you? You know, <laughs> um, I love him though. Simon Templeton is the actor, um, and I really only know him to show my nerddom, as always here, as uh, the Angel of Death from Charmed. Um, oh, wow, he's super fun in these. Yeah, I mean, he's a bit over the top, but yeah. I, mean, I don't know. That. Like, that's the type of bad guy I really enjoy. The, the guy that well, just loves being bad. That's why I like Tempest so much, you know? Well, yeah, he kind of reminds me a little bit of when Smallville had Zor-El, Kara's dad. And he's like, science! And he was very over the top. Well. It was the arc that had Helen Slater in it. Okay. Season was th- 7. Was that a, um, a stunt cast or no? No, his name is Christopher Heyerdahl. He had okay, been like Twilight, mind. things like that. Anyway, I enjoyed Lord North's yeah. performance. I didn't necessarily... I enjoyed most of his costume with his big tires on his shoulders and stuff. And the plastic but, like emblem. Yes, the plastic <laughs> emblem is fine. But then there's like... Throughout this, the props are so rough for me. Like Tez's gun is bizarre. The bombs that um, Ching plants for... Um, Clark to diffuse in uh, through the glass darkly are just all these like spiky weird pieces about, of plastic and metal. But then, yes, the data chip thing. Yes, Lord <laughs> has like a motherboard just yes, like, that's the glued word. to his shoulder. <laughs> this could have like I could have bought this until you put something that you like smashed out of a phone receiver like right in his in his shoulder. <laughs> Also, can we talk about how blatantly they ripped off the Imperial March from Star Wars? I okay, I know. I love okay. Jay Gruska's, Gruska's music. Yeah, but clearly too. somebody said do something like the Imperial March, and he said said as much on this very podcast, sir. Nice, yes, that <laughs> Star Wars is a big influence. But like, this is where too, I'm like, they're trying their best here because I didn't realize this until I talked to Jay a couple of years ago now. But like, this was a full orchestra. Yeah, they went in and recorded this, and it sounds phenomenal. These well, are my I was favorite tracks on the soundtrack. I actually commented to my friend Cat when I was watching these episodes today. Even in the worst scenes, like writing wise or whatever, Jay Gruska's music oh. is just calming. Yes, it just and it takes me back to that time, and it just makes me happy. Me too. It's, so please don't take my Imperial March comment as like. No, he he dressed up to it. He's amazing. Yeah, he's fantastic. To the point, (coughs) their love theme is still my favorite. One Mm -hmm. of my favorite themes from anything. Um, And I can't remember if it gets a good moment here, but it probably does when when they say goodbye or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, That's that's almost like its own thing there too. But it's just like it's beautiful music throughout, and that's like the other part of me that's like. Yeah, I feel like everybody in production maybe had a little bit more money for these episodes. At the very least, the season four premiere. That's because they thought they had a two-hour episode. Yeah. Well, you know, they they, went for it. But, you know, that probably was convenient for them because they didn't have to double up on sets. They just used them for both. Sure. Uh, The guest stars they signed for, you know, two weeks of filming or whatever instead of just one. Mm Mm-hmm. So they probably did save some money by spreading this out way too long. But, you know. Also, another thing I remember about that time, actually, is the end of Battleground Earth. Is that the Battleground Earth. Yeah. That's I, I keep wanting to call it Battlefield Earth. And I know I that's it. not it. But at the end of the episode, when we finally see Clark in his real Superman costume again, yeah. that felt like a win. Oh, that's so cool. And the best TV to me, or movies is when you see your characters get a win. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, Superman's back. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we're ready for this show to just keep going. 
you know, him and Lois are back together. That is my, even though they drop him a little too low, like you see him like kind of not adjust when he first lands there. Uh, I, that's one of my favorite entrances um, throughout the whole show. Speaking of entrances and exits, when they're, um, it looks so good when he was like floating outside of the daily or, you know, inside the daily planet yes, window when they're leaving. But then when they speed off like Mighty Mouse, yeah. all three of them, it's a little awkward now. The Gonzalez of it all. Yeah. I yeah. agree. But he did. He looks great. Like those are some of my favorite screen caps too. That yeah. and him, him landing um, in front of the daily planet there, even with the like big gaudy nineties chain with the engagement ring, you know, like under the suit there, like that's always so fun. And also like how I know the word isn't clothy, but I don't know what the right word because it's quarantine and we forget our words. Yeah, I understand. But whatever his S is made of. It, em, the embroidered. It's so yeah. embroidered. Like I think I overlooked it back then, but now I'm so used to like a plasticky looking S right. on in other media that it's a bit jarring and weird. And I know Dean has actually commented on that uh, in recent interviews where he's talked about how like he's jealous that like Melissa has a costume that's like fits well, but it's made of like really fancy fabric. Right. Whereas, I mean, they just basically put him in a pair of tights. See, okay. I get that. And I, especially as an actor, I get wanting the, the bigger, nicer thing. This is still my favorite Superman suit. Well, also his mother made it for him. There's that. <laughs> I love that. But there's just something that S is right for me. Like, even though it's kind of like more bubbly than, than you'd see it on anything else. I just lo- love the colors of it. I love the cape. That's not quite the Superman blue of any other Superman. No, it, it's totally its own thing. Just like the S is not quite its own yeah. thing. And I get that it's a little kiddier. Like, I don't know what the right word is. It's a little more friendly and bubbly and comedy almost um that that specific s design but there's just something so like when you say superman and i close my eyes for better or for worse i think of dean kane in that suit well here's a question for you because you're a little bit younger than me was dean kane the first superman live action that you ever saw yes okay yes well maybe maybe i caught a christopher reeve somewhere but like right first one i cared about was was dean I mean, because to, to me, you know, like Christopher Reeve is like the Superman that flies out of the comic book. Right. But I do like the blue of Dean's costume more, for sure. Cool. I so, get it. I we're not like going to be fighting about cape. this. No, it's fine. <laughs> we're not going to be fighting about this because we're, we're good. And I still think Superman needs underpants on the outside. I agree as well. That said... I do love the black suit here. Like, was that, oh, was me that too. exciting as a fan to like oh, know it was the ex- Superman-ish of it? It was extremely exciting. Again, that was like, that was probably the biggest takeaway of the finale for any of the fans is like yeah. that costume. But, you know, like watching the episodes, there were little things like, I mean, in the comics, the costume was actually black and silver, whereas here right. it's black and like a turquoise blue. Yeah, almost. bluish something. But I loved like even like his gauntlet area. Yeah. Had the blue and it just gave it so much more pop. Mm-hmm. But I think a costume like that, like I wouldn't want to see Superman wearing something like that every week. No, but it does show that an underpantsless Superman costume could be done. Even like the, the capelessness of it is is cool for what that yeah. specific version of it is. But I could totally see that as being like the precursor to like an Eradicator type costume if they'd ever yeah. done that story. Totally. Um, <laughs> this is why I love having you on. Um, <laughs> and um, I would have liked, I, I, I don't take that moment that we were just talking about back, that yeah. win moment where you're saying, yes. but like, I would have liked to see him in Superman action in that at some point. Yes. Too. So we did well, not have the budget for that. We had to retire him first. You know? I, I also wanted to point out that around the time of Lois Clark season one, a novelization of the death and return of Superman written by Roger Stern was published. Okay. And when I read that book, I was picturing the actors from Lois and Clark. Yeah. I so I was it. picturing like a cyborg Dean Kane, an eradicated <laughs> Dean Kane, you know, Terry Hatcher, Steel, Superboy in that world. And that yeah. was so much fun for me as a young like that actually read more like Lois and Clark to me than the CJ Terry novel did. I was just gonna talk about that because like I remember <laughs> trying to think of them reading that book and it just like never kind of fit for me. I never no. understood where that book came from, though, honestly, too. 
They did some, I believe they did a few young adult Lois and Clark books that were a little bit better. Yes, like in season one stuff. Or at least season one covers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the images, the promo shots. Right. Yeah, so, but, yeah, that that costume, and, you know, it was probably one of the less expensive costumes to make for the story. And sure, while we're talking about costuming, I liked that, um, this is another deep dive to the comic books, the when Clark and Zara were like tied together, getting married, yeah, yeah, the costume Clark had looked very much like the Krypton Man costume from the early '90s comics. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional, but it looked cool. Interesting. See, like, yeah, because there's part of this that almost became the um, animated series Jor-El look. A bit. Oh, yeah, you're you right. Know, a bit of a a nod to that which explains why i picture that suit with like a red headband on yeah exactly jorel had yeah that's what jorel had going on okay cool tunic version um good poll dude um story-wise i like how this turns out i like kind of the i forget what they call them but like the big kryptonian sticks of death duel that they do have to have you know with lord nor i like that it came to like that type of thing i even liked um the scene where like they're in Lois's uh, apartment there and Ching is like kind of training him and doing the whole over like, stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's my grandmother's lamp or whatever. Um, I would like, have cried if they had damaged the fish tank because that fish tank. Was oh, thank awesome. God. The fish tank made it. The fish tank makes it to the um, brownstone, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, anyway, I like that. And I like the, the tying into like, Superman had to be just the kill, but like, even when he does it, ultimately he can't, he doesn't kill nor, you know, like he just doesn't have that in him still. And it's interesting to me that the whole like gas bomb to take out the Kryptonians was kind of recycled for Supergirl season two, the season that had both Terry and Dean in it. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Interesting. Forgot about that. Yeah. The, I'm still, I'm forever going to be bitter that the two of them didn't share a scene together. I know. That's but we got to see them on Instagram together. That was bizarre. Yes, we did. It's, it's funny. Like I expected there would be clips from that afterwards, but it's like they didn't cover much. Yeah. Like they were mostly talking about their personal lives more than they talked about Lois and Clark. I mean, there were a few things. It seemed like there were a few references to the long hours for sure. Right. Um, and and where like they were know, in their lives. Yes. And I, I am curious about that because like, you and I have watched these enough that when we go back to them, we are trying to think of like what they're going through, what their day to day was. I mean, like let's talk about Ching for a second. Yeah. You know, like she was, that's her husband. Yeah, exactly. It was her husband at first. Yeah. I assume they were still married. Like even when he was replaced. Oh, I because they had maybe still married, but I thought they had separated and that's why they had to replace. They had, but they had to conceive Emerson Rose at some point. I figured it was between seasons. No, oh, no, because... No, well, actually, no, Terry was... I guess Terry found out she was pregnant around May or June of 97. Okay. So that means... and they I guess it could have been between seasons. So I'm doing a little Googling here. They didn't divorce officially, I guess, till 2003. Oh, dang. Okay. So no, I think Tenny know. was just busy. Wow, I didn't Here's know that. Here's trivia for you. Do you know what other DC character John Tenney played? No. Hal Jordan's father in Green Lantern. Really? Yes. Oh my, for that like <laughs> brief scene? The pilot, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that was him. I am bummed, I mean, because I haven't been on your show since this happened. I am bummed there was no Lois and Clark representation in Crisis, especially since Dean and Terry had already been in that world. Yes. It would have been cool. I mean, um, they did want to, I mean, I think originally, and they ended up doing it in the comic book tie-in, they were going to have a bunch of different Lex Luthers. Yes. So maybe if they had gotten Rosenbaum, they would have also gone for John Shea. Mm Mm-hmm. Although I don't think Shea does much acting outside of New York these days. I'm sure you can fly him to Vancouver for it. If he day. wants to. Yeah. You know, but uh, 
Yeah, like that would have been. I would reading that tie-in comic with all the Council of Luthers or whatever. Like, yeah, I got so upset at what we didn't get to see. Like, you could have gotten Clancy in there too. You know, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would have. I still would love to see. I mean, I know Dean and Terry have talked about a reunion. I don't know how that has any reality. Yeah, that's not ever gonna happen. I know I brought it up to some former Lois and Clark producers when I saw them and they laughed. Yeah. You'll see. So they're like, oh boy. <laughs> and it's always with these with these properties. We're we're blessed by this and cursed by it. We're like the new thing is kind of the hottest thing that uh, the only thing that the studio is looking at, you know, with the exception of something like Crisis, where it like the point of it is let's bring back Tom Welling or whatever, you know? Yeah. Or John Wesley ships flash. Oh my God. And I know we're going to talk about this. So I'm just going to bring it up now. Sure. After Lois and Clark was canceled, you know, a few groups did our own like fifth seasons. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and for ours, which is called the unaired fifth season, if you ever want to Google it, um, we actually did a story crossing over Lois and Clark with the flash series. Oh, that cool. John Wesley ship was on. Yeah. And, and the gimmick was something with Star Labs because okay. Star Labs was a thing. And the only other thing I remember, and they actually did this when the Flash and Supergirl crossed over. Uh, I remember the end of the Flash story, like Lois just turns to Clark and is like, the Flash is totally Barry, right? <laughs> she saw through the mask, but not the glasses. Yeah. But then she, I remember she asked Clark, she's like, wait a minute, if you weren't Superman yet when you came to the Daily Planet, why did you have glasses on? Oh, in the they discuss- And they had a discussion about it in our story, which was kind of cool. So we tried to like plug those holes. We also did do a Tempest and Lex team up. in that See, season. that's what's missing from this series. Even though I think about it now, and it was a very blatant ripoff of the final episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay, yeah, not and, familiar. Well, basically what we did is we had Tempest go back in time, team up with to the week of the pilot, teamed okay. up with Lex and teamed up with Lex to make sure that Lois and Clark never meet. Oh, that's awesome. And I remember we did that and it was a two-parter and then the second part took place five years later. Cool. That's you know? fun too. Did HG show up? I don't um, even remember. Yeah, I think yeah. well we did also have and I think it got what they called the Kurth Award. Uh, you know, for like best <laughs> fanfic. Yeah. Uh, somebody did a story where we revisited the other, the Alt Clark from. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And I think we did a story where he found his Lois, and maybe Herb was involved in that. Okay. <clears throat> but Herb and Tempest. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't remember. But um, worth looking up them. Um, so. How did you guys handle the baby? I don't did it stick really around or did it go back no. to Krypton eventually? I think we got rid of the baby by the end of the season premiere. We explained okay. Oh, that's story. quick. <laughs> I, I think we did so weird. Cause I haven't read that story since then. Cause I know I wrote, I co-wrote episode two with my friend Kat, who I was discussing Lois and Clark with today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was the Trask at hand. And we had a son of Trask Trask from season one. Oh, I could get into this. Um, but our season premiere, I think the baby, like, it did whatever they said it was going to do, I think, in some of the interviews, I think. Age up quickly and blah, blah. Yeah, somebody took it away. Um, it was like three birds and a baby. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I know how to make you laugh. I'll just Shout out to in. the five people that know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but we, um, I don't remember, but we did get Lois pregnant in our season oh and she dr klein didn't even think it was possible oh boy i don't remember how it was possible but she gave birth in our quote-unquote series finale okay which we did in a round robin style where like all of the writers contributed and wrote scenes that's fun like i remember a friend of mine and i we handled the scenes with um Jimmy had gotten back with his girlfriend from Individual Responsibility, I think was the episode. Yep. The blonde yeah. girl that thinks that he's Superman. No, no, it wasn't that, it wasn't that one. It was, um, Individual episode, I think it was the one with Dr. Friskin, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, other her. girl that has a rash this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. He mm-hmm. got back with her in our story. 
And they're sitting around talking about series finales of TV shows that are never resolved. <laughs> <laughs> so like, we, like there was that like meta humor throwing yeah. shade at it. Yeah. Um, but they give birth in that story. Um, I don't remember what we call finale, but if you search for TUFS Tufts, the unaired fifth season, you can find it on lcfanfic.com, I believe. Um, cool. But there was also I'll another season that when we post this. Yeah, there was another season five that did their thing. Um, I think theirs was more like romance based, and there's nothing wrong with that because people watch Lois and Clark for the romance. So was the show, yeah. Yeah, ours, I think we tried to do it like a season of television with like big episodes during sweeps. Oh, cool. Mid season uh, stuff. So, like, our February sweeps, quote unquote, we had the Flash episode. We had a world's finest episode. <laughs> Did you really? And and the concept of that one is kind of comical now because it involved a computer that Wayne Tech had created that could solve the Y2K problem. <laughs> 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 That's great. Um, I joke with my friend Kat that we should do a, like a reunion story for fun. Well, should you ever do that? Do send a link my way. <laughs> oh, I will. You know, <laughs> I do so. like it, as you're talking about the episodes too. To swing it back to New Krypton, I love oh, how like no, yeah. you're good. How the first arc of this, it's it just like it kind of encapsulates where the show was as far as naming. Because usually it's kind of weird, but like they tried to be so dark with the first one, like through the glass darkly, and make this literature illusion and then the rest of them like the next one is big girls don't fly and then the battleground earth reference and lord of the flies you know it's just like so it's I'm, so goofy any uh any final thoughts here on on our new krypton arc again i think it's just like it's the show swinging for the fences they're trying they're trying production wise we didn't even talk about the ship changing out but um it's it's like kind of the big epic version of this show, uh, even though it still kind of looks cheap for me. I okay, so this is me being really mean. Um, I just sent some love its way, so go ahead. I know, although I did really like the start of season four more than the season three finale, which was different than how I felt twenty four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel this arc was kind of the beginning of Lois and Clark as a series getting kind of stupid. Okay. Because of plot holes and that type of thing? The plot holes also just like with all of the love and whatever for, I mean, like Eugenie and Brad have always been super nice to me when I've seen them at events and stuff. Sure. I don't know that they really understood the mechanics of science fiction too well and instead would go for the easy gimmick. Like, yes, the notion that, Clark was promised to somebody is a very good, interesting story idea. Mm-hmm. But this is also the production team that gave us Drew Carey and Mimi as villains. Right. Well, that's, <laughs> you know? that's fair. That's, that maybe is why it feels so, so specific to this show, like the, the high yeah. fantasy of it, you know? And also remember right after this, we got Myrtle beach, the wedding destroyer. Right. Meh. And Mike, the guardian angel. It's like, I think they were That's trying the to... the roughest part for me, yeah. the guardian angel thing. I Well, you know, they were trying to do a riff on Touched by an Angel, which was the show's competition at the time. Oh, I never realized that. Yeah, Touched I by an Angel I still don't support sh- it, but interesting. That's the show that killed Lois and Clark, probably. Okay. Like, Ratings-wise. Um, but yeah, I just felt like... Um, I mean, there are some good episodes in season four, but I mean, to me, the highest of the heights is either season one or the latter half of season two. Yeah, that's fair. Like um, season three is special to me, though, because that's when fandom really grew for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, this will always be special. Like I said, I have my memories of watching Big Girls Don't Fly and you know, right. spending time with my family. And that right. was really nice. And, you know, us all talking about it all summer, that's fun, too. Like, yeah, the anticipation of it. Um, I think fandom, in a way, was a little more innocent back then because it forced us to be creative. I think that's why we wrote so much fan fiction and did sure. that sort of thing back then. That summer, I do know, the Krypton Club, we definitely sent out fan fiction every, like, every Wednesday or something. Like cool. a different story every week. And yeah. 
I think that's special. Um, and that's something that we, you know, I don't think you can duplicate quite in the same way now because now fans feel complete ownership of shows. That, and there's so many different avenues to express yourself or at least to consume the media as a fan now too. Whereas I imagine it was hard to miss you guys if you were a fan of the show at the time and online. We were like on AOL message boards and chats and right. on IRC. Um, I don't know. If, do you know what IRC even is? I don't. Internet relay chat. It okay. Basically was chat. There was a chat room called Lois Claw. And um, I think even Terry came in there a couple of times. Oh, cool. So, um, and th- that was, it was nice. And there was also a Lois Claw lift serve, they called it, which was like a mailing list. Okay. Where you had all your discussion over that and it'd be emailed at the end of the day everybody's posts and it was it, it was fun i mean yeah. it was cute um but yeah we didn't know and i i think that's also what made it special at the end of uh battleground earth where we see the costume well again. Done. it's like yeah. we you know we He's had back. not seen we had not seen dean in that costume since may right that's the thing that you know you never experienced was the frog claw and amnesia arc was literally yeah. like three months Oh, really? Because they aired, I, when, when we did this episode not too long ago, I looked it up. They aired the clone stuff at least right. week after week. But then they waited on the... Uh, yeah, I'd have to look at an episode guide. And it's funny, too, because I was on set for oh, It's a Small sense. World After All. Okay. Which is couple, episode 20. A couple episodes later. Yeah. yeah. And I remember overhearing Terry complaining about how long the arc was. and Like, we were all dying in the fandom at that point. Just like... Please Tired. come back, yeah. you know, because we wanted to see our favorite couple. I mean, I guess that's a blessing and a curse of having the show named after a coupling, but we want to see Lois and Clark happy. So this is interesting. So they air, I'm looking at the episode guide. Okay. They aired uh, the clone stuff. Uh, week after February week. 11th. February 11th, 18th, <laughs> 25th. Uh-huh. Bit of a break. March 10th is Forget Me Not. Uh-huh. A- Oedipus Rex, again, a bit of a break. 24th of March. Ooh. And that okay from 24th of March April 28th is oh. it's a small world after all. That's crazy. But you know that also when we talked about characters having wins it's like I just remember how happy I was when Lois punched Dr. Dieter. Yeah. Because it's like okay, we're done. Lois is back. <laughs> Get back together. Get, go away wedding destroyer. Well, thank you, Craig, for joining me for the fan insight. Because I am always curious, especially now as such a big nerd for this stuff, of like what the reactions were for back in the day. Um, but thank you, truly, for watching three episodes of the show and talking about it with me for an hour today. I greatly appreciate it, man. As I said to you before we recorded, like, you know, with what we're going through in the world right now, mm-hmm. getting to escape and watch <laughs> Lois and Clark episodes is one of those like good feelings in life, even if they aren't the best episodes of the series. Right. It takes you back to a different time. I mean, for you, it'd be watching the TNT reruns, Yep. which by the way, had the best promos. Yeah. I, I agree. love the TNT promos for the show. Um, they were very colorful. I remember mm-hmm. that. And TNT liked the show. Yeah. Oh. Um, probably more than ABC did. There. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Um, I still wish the fifth season had happened on TNT, like was originally uh, rumored. Really? See, that would have been, that would have made sense. Is that not a story that you've heard? No, I've never heard that, but that makes sense to me. Um, they wanted to do 12 or 13 episodes to get to a hundred. Cool. But so then part, they'd have it for syndication forever. But part of what got in the way of that also was Terry because she being was pregnant or to, not wanting yes. to. She was about to have a baby, so yeah. it might have been a little bit of both. That would be a great question for Dean and Terry when they do another one of their Instagram Live. I mean, I still want her to get, you know, one or both of the Jimmys and, or John Shea or somebody. John. Or Lane Davies. Lane would be amazing. I, I would love to – like, I interviewed Lane Davies back in the time of the Krypton Club. I would love to talk to him again now so many years later. Because he's still acting, but he's just kind of doing yeah. – Small he, her stuff. Well, he did a Supernatural event. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Duh. And on that note, <laughs> Craig, where can people yes. find you online as if they don't know? Uh, K-Site TV, Krypton Site, that sort of thing. You know, um, yeah, or yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, 
or just you know shoot a message my way if you want to talk about Lois and Clark because <laughs> that has made me so happy today, even though some of it was a little rough. And, <laughs> I mean, at the very least, you know, I could make fun of Terry's changing hairstyles between shots. Exactly. See, so <laughs> there's always there's always fun to be had. Yeah, so how about you? Where can you be? Found? Yeah, for the, for the show, um, at Lois and Clark on Twitter, at Lois and Clark Podcast on Instagram, and then uh, uh, Lois and Clark, the new podcast, Superman, on Facebook. Um, also, I am uh, co-host uh, with Zach Moore of his Patreon, Always Hold On to Birds of Prey, um, which we're stretching that out over a year. But uh, if you're into Birds of Prey at all, we're having a great time on that. Uh, and that's about it for me. Um, but Craig, man, thank you again for coming in and stay safe. Um, but till next time, I'm Matt Truex. I'm Craig Byrne. Falk off, everybody. Mm-hmm.